This is Get a Real Job, the podcast devoted to people who choose risk over safe bets, who pursue their passion against all odds and are doing what they want, how they want, despite people and sometimes the voices in their own heads telling them they're nuts. When the field that I wanted to work in didn't exist, I created it. The only thing you have to decide is how hard you want to work. I really never went into the design of the restaurant of not succeeding. One way or another, I was going to succeed. I'm your host, Dan Bova, editorial director of entrepreneur.com. Thanks for listening. And now, get a real job. So how does a guy who, in his own words, didn't know shit about country music, wind up partnering with 10-time Grammy nominee superstar Eric Church to launch an award-winning whiskey company? Well, let's find out. Welcome to the show, Raj Alva. Raj, how are you? I'm excellent. Why did I know you were going to start with that question? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it was a long, windy road, and it's been a fun one. Eric and I met on a golf trip, and I (laughs) I wasn't going to talk about this, but I literally didn't know anything about him or uh, or country music. Uh, You know, my dad listened to it a little as a kid, but I really didn't uh, as I got older. And I think that probably helped because I just didn't give a shit. <laughs> Excuse my language. But, uh, and we just we just talked, had a lot of beers together. He was always late every morning. I was picking him up and uh, he always had a beer for me every morning waiting for me. So I was like, all right, this guy's OK. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> and uh, so we the last I think it was the last night of another trip. And we were just kind of sitting on the porch and talking. He was asking me about some of the businesses I did, asking me about Grayson and some of the other things I've done. And I was asking about some of the things he's done. And we got into the whole Jack thing and we were actually drinking whiskey at that point. And I just kind of threw out, I said, you ever think of doing something like this on your own? I know you love Jack and you love the, the people there, but um, it's an interesting time to be looking at something like this. And he said, you know, it's funny, Kenny Chesney and George Strait, I knew Chesney's name. I, I'm embarrassed to say I knew George Strait, but didn't know how big he was. He told me all along that I should be doing something like this. And I said, well, I'm, I'm buddies with the guy who owns Michter's. He's a good friend. Let me just text him and ask him some questions just to understand what would be involved. And this guy named Joe Maglielko, a great guy. And Joe called me back right away. And we talked for about an hour. And first thing he says, why would you guys want to do this? Yeah. Jack's great. Uh, great partner. And I said, Joe, I know you don't want competition, but uh, just tell me the facts. <laughs> And uh, so I didn't think anything of it. I, we went back home, went back to our families. He called me uh, maybe a week or two later, said, were you serious? I said, I don't go into any of these things without doing some research first. So let me, I know enough to be dangerous. I know a bunch of folks in the space, but let me do a little work first. And uh, that work ended up being three, four months. Eric was getting pissed. He's like, what takes you so long? I said, Eric, uh, you know, just give me some time. There's going to be, this is expensive. I'm learning this is not a simple thing to go into. And so uh, we kind of made the decision when we laid it out that this would be a lot of fun. But we had some rules set to ourselves when we decided to go forward. First rule was it had to be fun. If it wasn't fun, we weren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. We wanted to build the best thing we could. And money was not an object. We both kind of allocated, you know, a decent, we were fortunately blessed to both be in a financial space to be able to do this. And so we both said, okay, let's, let's do it. So that he and I are equal partners and we do everything together. And it just kind of came together. You would have, I mean, it's almost like a joke, right? The Indian dude and the country guy sitting in a, in a bar <laughs> come up with this, this idea. But he's, he's just a very solid guy. I mean, I can't say enough about him as a partner. 
And it just became very evident when we were doing the research on the business. You know, one of the things I've learned in some of my past deals, the hardest ones were the ones where your, your partners don't think the same way you, you do. There's maybe a respect differential between, you know, mm-hmm. your views and their views. And, and he and I have always respected each other and our judgment. And, you know, I, he's got his lane, I've got my lane. And we always, right. just, I always say, hey, it's your lane. And he says, that's your lane. You take care of that. And it's, it's just been, it's been phenomenal. So, so he, yeah, he's the country Western guy. You're more into hardcore rap, right? That's how you yeah. became famous. <laughs> yeah, hip hop and rap, exactly. I love every. I, I'd be honest. It's, it's uh, my friends joke. They're like, they get in my car now. They're like, are you hundred percent country all the time now? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really, I, I really did start. Yeah, he's he's not. Yeah, there's the the country that's really country, and then there's kind of the the kind of spectrum of it. And yeah, that middle spectrum. I've really started to, Chris Stapleton, you know, those guys, I've really started to enjoy right. it. But Eric in particular, it, what, funny enough, the mu- his music was what actually got me convinced he'd be a great partner is because his creativity mm. is really, really impressive. And so when you add his creativity to my kind of blocking and tackling business, and you know, I have creativity on a business standpoint, but he's really got creativity on a, a consumer kind of business standpoint from that side. It really was, um, it's a good fit. A good fit. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. Well, so just to, to go back a little bit. So you guys, you meet on this, on this golfing outing, you hit it off. Now, did you, before that was running a whiskey company, anything you like sort of dreamed of, are you a big whiskey guy or this all just sort of evolved as you guys talked about something you'd like to do together? I have all, I've looked at every kind of business. I kind of, have always in my, if you look at the businesses I am part of right now, I have a artificial intelligence health technology company I'm chairman of. I've got a golf clothing company uh, that I'm on the board and person, one of the first investors of. And I got this whiskey company. So I'm always looking for interesting ideas. I've invested in a bunch of other things, but there also always has to be a, a fundamental reason that I think it's a good spot to go into. And in this case, it was Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it was anyone other than Eric, who would have been my partner, and he didn't have that background in whiskey, I probably wouldn't have done it. You know, right. I might've bought a brand that existed already and said, we can turn this around. But starting from scratch is, is uh, you know, that's, that's not easy. So yeah. uh, we started Grayson from scratch. It was very similar, but I had a, a real gut feeling on Charlie, our CEO, and it, it paid off. But you know, you, I, I always feel like you have to have something to differentiate if you're going into a business and starting from scratch. It's one thing to buy an existing business and fix it. But starting from scratch, I wouldn't have got into it if it wasn't for Eric. But I, I had looked at spirits. I had looked at beer. You know, I loved, I just think it's it's a fun space to be in. Yeah. Uh, it brings people together. But uh, this was the first time I really took it seriously. So just, just promise me as you're in the AI space, as it starts to take over every single thing we do, just promise me it's not going to take over drinking whiskey for us. <laughs> that might be the only thing we can do at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I will promise you that AI is a lot farther out than people think. So uh, <laughs> it, it's it's a great buzzword right now, but it's it's going to be a while. <laughs> so we have some right, time to drink in our whiskey. All right, good, good. So let's talk a little bit because I'm sure if you tell someone you you run a whiskey company, it's like, oh my god, that's so awesome. That must be so fun. And you've said it's so fun, but it's a company. There's a lot of whiskeys out there. Can you talk a little bit about how hard it really is to like? As you said, start something from scratch that doesn't have a 
150 year old history to it. Yeah, it, it's it's very hard. So one of it took us almost three years to launch this before from you know, just the concept to hey, let's do this. And a lot of the thought went behind what do we have to do to differentiate ourselves in the market to really build a brand. And when I went to a whiskey shop, a whiskey store, it scared the crap out of me. I mean, there are so many brands out there. And again, the same thing happening with Grayson with the clothing company. I went to the PGA show the first year I invested and I looked around, there's 350,000 square feet of golf shirts, (laughs) a hundred companies. Like, oh my God, what did I just do? Uh, So at least this one, I knew I could drink, I could drink the product if we didn't sell it. And I knew the golf companies, I could wear a very expensive golf shirt. So, you know, we, we, we really thought through it. And one of the things we said is, if we can build, you know, there's a, there's a lot of marketing and, and kind of posturing in, in some of these new brands. And, you know, I, there's not facts. So there's a couple brands I really looked at and said, okay, Bardstown, they put, they're putting their ingredients on a the label. They're being very fact forward and mm. telling people what they want. And we had already decided we were going to do that. And I said, if we're transparent and we really spend the money and buy the best ingredients and the best products, you know, and with Eric's fans, I think being willing to try some of it, I had a feeling we could get some friction to get a light to start the fire, right? And we spent some time making sure that, the, I mean, we spent two years with this liquid and we went through a lot of different iterations, but really making sure that this was a liquid that if independent reviewers tried it, they were going to say, this is something we never had. Hmm. And and we went through a lot of different iterations. I don't know if you know what we ended up doing here, but we took single source grains and blended them after as opposed to putting them in the barrel day one and aging them. So uh-huh. you get three different barrels, so hundred, you know, corn, rye, and barley, and, and, and malt barley, and mixing them at the end. And it really gave it an interesting flavor. And our next release will be very interesting too. We're doing something very unique to it. So we said to ourselves, okay, this, the rubber is going to meet the road if reviewers like it. And we, before we launched, we submitted it to San Francisco World Spirits Competition. We got double gold, which means every blind taster rated it gold, which we knew we had something at that point. Paul Picall came out with a review and then it just kind of snowballed from there. I'll send you the list of some of the reviews, but we probably had about- I thought you were going to say, I'll I'll send you a case so you can- (laughs) You make me look good. I'll send you a a case. How's that? (laughs) But I, you know, I, I uh, we knew what we had probably 15, 20 just glowing reviews right now. Things like, you mm-hmm. know, standard bearer, one of the best things I've had all year, you know, so we hit it. We, we, that was the risk is that the reviewers didn't like it. And then yeah. frankly, I'm not sure we would have a, a viable business. Right. <laughs> right. Like it. So that was really the way to do it. it it's, it's to just spare no expense to, you have to have something to catch fire. And for us, yeah. it was a, that, that quality. And, you know, I, so I've spoken to people who uh, started with much, much smaller operations. And, you know, a couple of them have told me, you know, you like they sort of forgot that, you, as you said, you put it in a barrel and now you have to wait for years, <laughs> exactly. you know. Exactly. And so exactly. some people lose a little focus and then they're like, well, we got to start selling something. And then they start trying to make uh, vodka, vodka or gin yep. or something. Yep. That's a quick turnaround. And then yeah. before they know it, they've sort of lost sight what they even started with in the begin in the first place. Yeah. You go to these tasting rooms, that's what most of these whiskey companies have. They have a vodka, they have a gin, because they've got to pay the cash flow to fund it. Again, the benefit Eric and I had was that we could afford it. The other thing that I didn't realize until I started doing the work on this and really modeling the cash flows, 
this is an expensive business to get into. Mm. You know, going into tequila or vodka, you produce the product, you sell it. There's no yeah. real age. Maybe tequila, you age it a little bit. Our stuff, you know, some of this stuff was 20 years old. And so wow. a new fill barrel is, I think, over $1,000 now. So if you buy a new fill from, it used to be MGP was the big producer. I think they're taking a lot of that in-house. Bardstown used to produce for third, part, third parties. The barrels used to be about 800 filled, filled, right? The next year, that barrel would sell for about 11, 1200. Next year, 15. Three year would be 18 to 2000. Yeah, four years, 23 to 2500. So if you want four year old spirit, if you didn't buy it from day one, you're paying somebody four times, you know, three times wow. uh, what they paid for it, right? So the markets has, has a lot of investors that have come in who just buy the barrels and sit on them. And so for a, somebody coming in, it's very hard. So we, we've been buying product for thinking five to eight years out. Wow. And okay. Just, just laying it out. We, you know, it's the only way to do it. Otherwise, you have to do other things to make the cash flows work. So how much are you, I'm not sure how you phrase it, but is, is it in a batch? Like how much are you producing or, or, or selling? It, it really depends on the what we're going to be doing. So the, the hope was we came out with a high, pretty high price point. You know, it has 20-year-old rye in it, and it's got you know, seven, eight-year-old high-quality corn. Um, we don't really talk about volumes. I don't think anyone in this industry releases, but the, the concept was legacy 0102 will be very limited release. They're never going to be recreated. So the products, the, the ingredients that went into those were done. So mm-hmm. if you want 01, you got to get it now. You know, we might, we'll keep some obviously as, as uh, for our own business, but in the market, they'll be at some point it's going to be gone. Oh, two will be the same. And that's the concept of the legacies. They're, they're once in a lifetime products that are very high end that won't be released. We will start to, we want, just because we know everyone can't afford that, that price point, but we really want to make our name to show people we could do high quality product. We'll have another high quality product. That's just going to be a little less aged. That'll come out probably, we haven't quite decided yet, but in the next year to year-ish, and that'll be a lower price point. That'll be a little higher volume. And then mm-hmm. the hope is to have another lower price point that you will know, be a little more accessible for people. That'll be higher volume. That'll be the kind of daily drinker, as you call it. Uh, yeah. So, so that's 001. What, what, is that, what is that selling for? 200 a bottle. 199.99. Sounds good to me. Um, so if, if, if you try it, I think you'll say that's worth it. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. So the whiskey world, the bourbon world, it's it's uh there's these uh iconic brands and stuff and i know uh, a lot of guys talk to each other like how how have you felt has the whiskey world uh, accepted you guys with open arms what, what's that industry like yeah I, it's 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 actually friendlier than most of the industries i've been in i think people are very respectful of each other with the bigger players obviously um but yeah we've had We've had great experiences with people, you know, people willing to help us out when we were starting saying, hey, we need to find this product. Uh, any idea where to find it? And, and you know, people coming to coming to us and say, hey, we found some if you want it. So I think the whiskey world is a little bit more gentlemanly, uh, use that word, than most other industries I've been in. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's 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 part of the I think everyone realizes there's room for for kind of everyone in this market, at least for now. Uh, it's growing. It's continuing to grow. And from our standpoint, I want my my peers to do well. If, if the market grows, we grow. Yeah, right. So on that note, for the uh, basement uh, and uh, garage distillers out there who are hoping to one day make a name for themselves, like what are you? 
I mean, you guys started probably at a much higher, a more, more elevated product, a more elevated business. But what kind of advice from what you've seen and what you've learned for people who are really just starting out making bottles on their own? Yeah. Well, so I, uh, that's why I, I came from nothing. So I, I could be that person if I would have started sooner. You know, I just got into this after I fortunately had made some money. Uh, so I, I think what I would tell them is, uh, and I've had friends start businesses, uh, spirits businesses from scratch, and they've done well, but they were hustling. They were, they were on the road constantly at bars, talking to bartenders, and we're going to have to start doing that you know, when we have a higher volume, but you got to really get in front of people. It's a personality business you know, yeah. when you're talking to people. If that bottle is just sitting there on the shelf and the, the bartender doesn't know who you are and doesn't know what that product is, it's just going to sit on that shelf. What you want is you want to go in there and you want them to know the product. You want them to taste it. We're going to do tastings with people. You want them to understand what went into the product because they want to talk about it. And so, and there's a real craft to bartending. I mean, it's really, it's impressive when you find a good bartender who knows their product and their spirit. And before we started this, I was out talking to a ton of bartenders uh-huh. and asking, without telling them what I was doing, asking them questions to understand how they think about these things. Uh-huh. And so, and throwing ideas out. So if I was going to start something from my basement and I had the time to do it, because if you're doing your own still, you're going to have a lower price point. You're going to have better costs than we did because we were buying it. We're, you know, down the road, we might have our own still, but right now we're buying it because we want to get in fast. I really think the part that they have to look at is, you know, are that where's the market that they can get the most traction? You know, is there distributors around us? You know, this three-tiered system is very hard. You can't just sell to the customer. You've got to sell to a distributor and find somebody that'll take your product. And then they they sell to the retailer, but then you've got to make sure that you're talking to the retailer too. So there's a lot of hustle involved in this. Mm-hmm. And so try to figure out a distributor that will take your product in a small market, get big in that small market. So it gets some traction, show people that it's selling, and then try to go into some other markets. And, and that, that to me is like the formula where this could work. If you try to go broad too fast, you end up, you end up sitting on the shelves. You don't want the product to sit on the shelf. Right, right. No, that's great. Aging, once it's in the bottle, does not uh, improve the uh, flavor, right? No, all the flavor comes from the liquid. When it goes through a heat cycle, it's it basically what it's called. So in Kentucky, that's why they're in these big temperature-varying climates. When it gets hot, the liquid expands, the barrel expands, the liquid goes into the barrel, and it gets all its color and flavor. And then when it gets a little cooler, it comes back down. Right. It's also why you lose angel share over time. The liquid evaporates. And so, yeah, you have to age in the barrel, unfortunately. So, yeah, uh, it's not like wine where you can you know, put it right, in. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, my, my favorite part of that is doing the research by going to a lot of bars. That sounds like my kind of research. So maybe I'll start. I was very good at it. I was very, I was very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, this is fantastic. So where, where, what's the best place for people to find uh, Whiskey Gypsy right now? Yeah. So if they go to reservebar.com, Reserve Bar will tell you where in your local area that it's available. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, we're not in all the states yet. We're in most of them, but there's some states that are a little harder to get into because of liquor laws and others. But Reserve Bar will, will be able to, to tell you where the local retailer is, or you order it there and then they'll have that local retailer ship it to you. Excellent. Well, well, Raj, it's been awesome talking to you and learning about this. And I think it would only be fitting if you sang us off with, with your favorite Eric Church song. Uh, record year. <laughs> record year, by, by far. Yeah, yeah. If you listen to the lyrics on that, it's just a great song. It's about just making it. 
So well, why don't you why don't you sing us a couple of bars? Tense. <laughs> you should have told me. I would I would have actually drank some whiskey and maybe done it. But uh, <laughs> all right, next time. Eric next will time. never forgive me. <laughs> That's our episode, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Get a real job comes out every Tuesday. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you harvest your favorite podcasts. Leave us a review. Give us a share. Don't make me big people. Go to entrepreneur.com for new episodes of this and to listen to our other great podcasts. Thanks. <laughs>